When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. I know a ghost story or two. Let's do this. Hey, everybody. (laughs) Welcome back to another episode of Bigfoot Collectors Club, the podcast where we talk to celebrity guests about their personal paranormal history and share stories of high strangeness. I am your host, Michael McMillan. With me always is your other host. Hey, guys. Bryce Johnson here. And your producer. Riley Bray. You know, uh, Bryce, you've really gotten in the habit of just uh, uh, really adding some more Sasquatch uh, <laughs> vocalizations at the top. Do you just want to get it out? You want to? Yes. No, sorry. Now I feel stupid. <laughs> well, no, why? I love it. That song, Squatch every time out, I... Man. Squatch it out, bro. Uh, that song just gets my gizzard every That's time. That's our new horrible uh, merchandise. <laughs> Squatch it up, bro. Squatch it up, bro. I feel like we would make a million dollars. <laughs> uh, no, Put that on the merch. Squatch it out. Oh yeah. Uh, speaking of merch, yeah. Uh, pretty soon we're gonna be. Um, I'm in talks with uh, my boys. Posting ups. Uh, we're gonna post some ideas for uh, some options for t-shirts. We want to hear from you guys. You might be get a get a chance to vote what our first t-shirt will look like. Yeah, my good buddies at Tank Farm are gonna make us up some mock-ups. So yeah, and we have some other uh, we have some other merch in the works. We keep saying it. It's, it's coming. Gonna happen. It's coming. Um, relax. Good things take time. Our guest today knows all about podcast merch she has a mini podcast empire wow uh she uh you may know her from shows such as totally lame totally married totally mommy wow uh there's a spinoff not including her called totally beverages and sometimes hot sauce uh and she's a writer on the hit true tv show true tv correct yeah oh god i had a panic there for a moment (laughs) i'm sorry ladies and gentlemen it's part one of our totally lame (laughs) two-parter please welcome elizabeth lame yeah Hi. Oh my gosh, what an intro. Oh man, I'm nervous today. I'm nervous. Why? (laughs) You shouldn't be. I know, but you're the pro you. I think that you were the very, your show is maybe one of the first podcasts I was ever on. And I was on it because I wrote you asking if I could be. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Loser. (laughs) No. (laughs) I had forgotten that. I was certain that we had asked you on and then you reminded me recently. Self promoted. She's like, you were the only guest to actually write to be. On. <laughs> no, I, I I love it, and now we've become friends, yeah. and you are part of the Totally Lame fam. Oh, man, I oh, love that awesome. show. So, Totally Lame uh, was your first podcast yeah. you did for a number of years, mm-hmm. and then you guys branched off, did some spinoffs. At one point, talk about man, we have a hard enough time putting up one episode a week. I mean, not really; it's fun. But at one point, <laughs> you and your husband Andy were putting out five episodes of different shows Holy a Mac. week, like oh, five, like one a day. No, I think at max, please, we did four. Uh, um, no, yeah. I think we were doing three or four. 
Because you did, there was a period where you were doing Totally Lame, two, two episodes totally of Totally Married. Married. What were we doing? Totally wow. Mommy, and then he was doing T-Bash. All I can think about is all of the better ways we could have been spending <laughs> well, our time. Well, <laughs> we're figuring it out right now. This is our 24th episode. Oh my God, officially. Thank you. Although That's we've so had cool. a couple like mini episodes and like listener episode uh, in, in, in and about there. So we're yeah. still new at this. You're uh... Actually, I think you are uh, airing the week... You and then Andy will be on next week. This this two parter is falling right at our six month mark. So happy oh, birthday, wow. guys! Oh, Congratulations! Thank you. Happy six months. Yeah, that's doing awesome. it for six months. That's amazing. We haven't missed a week yet. No, that we have so not. Good. And you know, it's like what a time to be doing it. Actually, I was watching uh, the season premiere of Ancient Aliens, and, and <laughs> what a and, time! Uh, what know. a time we live in. It was, uh, <laughs> but they were talking about that big New York Times article that came out in December. <laughs> And so we've really like we've really like been on in the six months where a lot is happening in the in the UFO world and in the uh, in the um, yes. oh, yeah. and as we talked about last week with Allison Munn in the 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 cult yeah world, in the cult world that's the serial happening. killer world have you yes. did, were oh, you following I'm Michelle McNamara's on. book well uh, did you, I, yeah the whole I've, Golden, I've, State, the Golden State, thing? State killer thing has I've been riveted that's fascinating I also um, <sighs> wanted to tell you just to tee up and get any listeners excited Andy is occult um you know he's very expert no i wouldn't say expert but he majored in sociology oh wow and at the university of montana and his favorite professor there is one of two people who infiltrated heaven's gate no way he i won't share it all because he'll go into more detail i'm sure but oh my gosh yeah wow that's a great setup i can't wait to hear more about that so he must have an insight into like or i mean he must be sort of fascinated about you know what draws these people in and tell us more about your husband i know (laughs) i really i'm like god damn it his episode is gonna be so here he told me this morning we have a couple of ghost stories and he was like, you better not. They're kind of more his. <laughs> and so he's really throttled me. Here. Right, right, right. <laughs> You're okay. going to be golden. I know I'm, I got a good feeling about you as a okay, guest. Great. I've, uh, as I said, I've been listening to your shows for years. I think it actually was the, the first episode, speaking of Michelle McNamara, was Patton Oswalt's episode. That's how I discovered your podcast. Because oh, yeah. I was in the days when I, and I see it too. There's clearly people, and tell me if this still happens on Totally Lame. But there's clearly listeners who just follow wherever that celebrity, wherever they show up, but may not listen to the show yes. beyond that. Um, so, like, we've gotten hit, like, Paul F. Tompkins was on our show, of course. And, like, everyone who listens to everything Paul F. Tompkins does to yes. show up, they listen to his episode. We hope they stick around. They don't always, you yeah. know. Uh, but I listened for Pat Oswalt, and I stayed for Liz and Andy. Stuck around. Aww. To the point where I was, I, I, it's what happens with podcasts. And, the, and yours was, like, really the first one that I got really into the crazy thing that happens. And this was all around the time when like Twitter was taking off Mm -hmm. and people were actually like meeting people. This is when social media was actually still social. Right. You know, um, where I was like, Oh, I've actually made, there was like a little window of time where I actually made friends with people Mm -hmm. off Twitter and through podcasts. But I think I emailed you (laughs) and I was like, hi, I'm an actor. I love this show. I would love to come be on the show. And I remember you wrote back. I love that. Oh, wow. And I was like, Oh God, I creeped them out. No, no, no. Because at the time we also watched True Blood. So okay, imagine cool. me getting that email and being like, what? 
Uh, yeah. Oh, that's kind of cool. That yeah. is the totally. most. I, lo- I, 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 I love your show. I love you guys. That's really sweet. Um, so God, thank I wish you. everything worked like that, you know? I know. <laughs> I know. Hey, I love your TV show. Can I be on it, Sure, please? yeah. Um, before we move on uh, with uh, uh, getting into uh, Elizabeth's world, we have some... Beep, 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 beep. BCC News. <laughs> a search is underway for Bigfoot in Lee's Summit, Missouri. hey uh, Near Kansas City, where I grew up, and not too far from St. Louis. Uh, were you Ledoux? Where were you from? Ledoux. Yeah, Ledoux. That's yeah. where my buddy, uh, shout out Mark Silverberg, uh, grew up. Um, after a Boy Scout leader and his troop found Sasquatch tracks outside their campsite at Lake Chacomo three weeks ago. I feel good about this one. Uh, according to KNBC 9 News in Kansas City, Scott, uh, scout leader Jeff Newhard and his troop, quote, heard the chattering at night mm. from their tent. But Newhart added, I was curious, but I wasn't that curious to run down there. Right. So they heard some creatures at night making noise. The Bigfoot sounds. This yeah. guy out in the out near the lake with his um, with his Cub Scouts. Now Newhart called in national Bigfoot hunter and controversial figure. Tom Biscardi, mm. who has joined Newhart in tracking the area and installing night vision cameras to hopefully capture footage of the creature. Biscardi thinks this case is a strong one due to the footprints discovered and the number of caves in the Lake Chacomo area, which they are exploring for evidence. Totally. Biscardi told reporters, the caves you people have in Kansas City, they're phenomenal because these are places where creatures love to habitat. Um, BCC will be keeping an eye on this story for further developments. Wow. Uh, very interesting. Now, Dave W. Dave Keith, a friend of ours who's also from Kansas City, he pointed out that Tom Biscardi was the uh, Bigfoot hunter that came under some uh, heat uh, a couple years ago. Which one was, doesn't? Well, I guess he was charging uh, admission to see a Bigfoot corpse that was <laughs> proven to be a hoax. Yeah, that's... Coast to Coast won't have him on the air anymore. Right, I remember So this... I don't know if this scout leader just probably Googled Bigfoot hunter, yeah. I'm sure, and this is one of the first ones that came up. But uh, He's looking to get back look in Good graces. The, yeah, might want to look at the third entry down. <laughs> <laughs> Strong recommendation. You know the, the second good, one good is call. probably good call. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, good luck. I hope uh, this doesn't turn into. I hope he doesn't take over the. But how true is that? I mean, you're in your tent at night and you hear something, and it, even if you're like, okay, I'm not a big Bigfoot believer, but something is out there making noise. Well, you hear a large animal. I remember one time. I'm I, not going out there. We took a road trip. Uh, some buddies and and uh, and me took a road trip up to. Do you, you know you know uh, Brian Steele actually? Yes, yeah, yeah. So it was me and Steele and our buddy Holt and our friend Brian Carlin. Holt Bailey. Holt Bailey. Oh yeah. Uh, we got to get them on the show too. Um, we took a road trip up to Vancouver, and we stopped over in this little uh, seaside town in Oregon to mm-hmm. stay the night. And we had talked about maybe camping somewhere along there, uh, but we pulled into a motel, and they didn't have, uh, they did not have a room. It was just like the nativity story. <laughs> um, no room at the inn. And we asked if we should camp, uh, and he said, "No, no, no, you don't want to camp in this area." Uh, and I said, why? And he's like, there's mountain lions. And we're like, oh, okay. And I shit you not, I got, uh, I walked out. We were in that little, like, when you pull up to a motel, and there's that little, you know, mm-hmm. like, little covering. covering. Thank you. 
And I walked in front of the car. The headlights were on. I sat down on the driver's side. Holt was in the passenger side seat. And I looked up just in time to see the back half of a fucking mountain lion yeah, move into it. bushes through the headlights. <laughs> oh, my God. And I look over. And the guys, uh, Steele and Carlin in the back, were Eesh. not paying attention. Holt's eyes were He's like, that was a puma. <laughs> I was like, it was a mountain lion. He goes, it was a puma. I go, it was a mountain lion. Same, Same thing. thing. <laughs> uh, so we drove down to, there was a meteor shower that night. We drove down to the beach and we all got up. We were watching the meteor shower and we were all kind of chilling, watching the skies. And then we heard this. And without saying a word, all four of us shot up and just like Chinese fire drill style, just got back, slam, 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 right. got in the oh car and drove off. God. Yeah. So you hear in the dark those sounds. It, it doesn't matter if it's a Sasquatch or not. I mean, it's scary. That's terrifying. And also, are we all going to just move past the fact that that's the most sexually charged <laughs> four-man ah, <laughs> road trip I've ever heard of? I know. The media showers down there watching it at night. Yeah, it was this very romantic, romantic yeah. trip. We were trying to find a place where we could all sleep together and watch the stars. Wow. Good We've for never you guys. charged Mike with not being a romantic. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> we had a good time on that trip. We drove through... We get stealing hole on the show. Uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about. It. We drove through the redwoods and listened to some classic coast to coast Bigfoot uh, stories. And yeah, that uh, honeymoon sounds awesome. It yeah. was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you don't know about my secret gay marriage with four men. I didn't know about it until oh, now, now, and I'm do. happy yeah. to hear about it. Thank you. It's our little cult. <laughs> um, so Elizabeth, yes, what is your personal paranormal history? Well, there's no wrong answer to this question. I've always been terrified of ghosts. Great. Um, My there was like lore in our family that my parents lived in this house in Robertson, Illinois, which is this tiny podunk town. I actually looked up this house recently. It's for sale for like seventy thousand dollars. Buy it. (laughs) I should. Um, the claim to fame was that it, the Heath Candy Bar Factory was in this town. Cool. And is this going to involve a haunted candy factory? <laughs> no, I wish. Uh, but the house had been there forever, and um, it. I guess my mom would wake up in the middle of the night, and there would be sounds coming from downstairs to the point that the joke was that my just dad wouldn't go check it out. Going rappers, <laughs> there's just chocolate meow. everywhere. <laughs> Um, there was like weird acid around the toilet bowl rims because the ghost was bulimic. It's actually very sad. Um, no, but there would be like. Turns out it was just a rabid rac- raccoon with a binge- binging problem. A binge, binge purge, purge disorder. Yeah. Anyway, um, the the faucets would be turned on without them turning them on. That's and creepy. someone came to see the house who had been in the family that the house belonged to before my parents bought it. Um, they wanted to like see the house and they said that um, people had seen the grandfather who had originally built the house like standing by the fireplace. And so um, so then when my parents were moving and they were putting it for sale, my dad was upset with my mom because she had told everyone in town that this place was haunted oh, no. and they couldn't sell it or whatever. Not good. Amazing. So, well, it is for sale, but it is extremely haunted. Yes. So, but let so, me show you the kitchen. But <laughs> a steal of a deal yeah. for $70,000 oh, or whatever it is it. now. Um, then I was thinking like uh, before this, 
just town folklore. I lived in St. Louis and there was a house in Ladue that had, and I'm, I'm curious if anyone who's listening to this knows what the fuck I'm talking about. Can I? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was like, can't. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So there was this house with a garage and it was on this little lake and it was called Laughing Lake. And there, I'm already not going anywhere near that water. That yeah. is a scary fucking name and for it was a like, lake. It's so weird because Ladue's very like manicured and whatever. And this this lane was all windy. And once you got back there, it felt very kind of like swampy. Mm. And there was this garage with these four pretty creepy full paintings of four kids laughing. Oh my God. Like the whole garage door was for people's faces i'm not i'm not gonna kid you i was just thinking i don't know why but there was the one house i saw that was haunted i don't know what made me think of it but i thought of the painting of these kids they had just like literally five minutes ago oh weird that is so weird but it was the most creepy painting i've ever seen i don't know what made me think of that so the lore for this house was that those kids had drowned i mean the chances of four kids whatever i yeah. I'm not buying it I now mean, as an adult. I mean, that lake is laughing at something, La- right. and I think it's about how many children it's murdered. It's eaten. Yeah. Jeez. And then there was the night that they had allegedly died. If you drove down that lane, you would feel like you were going over a speed bump, which was their ghost bodies. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know why. Is it four in a row? Because they weren't <laughs> hit by cars. <laughs> right. So... That's I'm guessing f- this was, but people would go drive down that first lane. Here on BCC, ghost body speed bumps. Yeah. But wait, a house oh, yeah. had a painting, four garage doors, and each one had a painting no, of the dead. No, it was one big garage door. Okay. Wow. I'm trying to find this right now. That is so wild, though. Yeah, pretty crazy. So that was like the only lore I have. But, you know, St. Louis, it's like the exorcist is St. Louis. And my mom oh, yeah. was a docent at this house called the Dimineal Mansion. Which was a historical landmark. The nyum, 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 nyum. <laughs> it there's was that, very weird. It was there's that raccoon again. Watch it was, out some candy. Yeah, and it, it was very weird that they called it the nyum, 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 <laughs> um, What if it turned out that you thought your mom could speak French? That's just such Oh, that's French. That's what uh-huh. my mom spoke French. That's how it sounds. You know, my mom did speak French. Um, I think we're learning she did not. <laughs> I think so. Hmm. Um, it was called the Demoniel Mansion, and uh-huh. it was next to another historic mansion. Um, and it had, I don't remember, it was from the 1800s, and you could tour it and see how people back then lived in, like, wealthy St. Louis family. And there, of course, were ghost stories included there because it's just creepy and old and beautiful and the mansion sounds like a perfect recipe. The mansion next to it, which I'm spacing on what it's called, but you could easily find it if you Googled Demoniel Mansion and then whatever. Had this story about this family had a child who maybe was either physically disabled in some way or mentally, and he was kept in the attic. God. And he, th- they called him Monkey Boy. Oh no! And you could see his face in the window, and no. people would take pictures, and you could see no. the outline of <laughs> Monkey Boy in the yeah. window. Oh. Um, Maybe it was a chimpanzee, and that's why they thought 
Uh, no. No. Even a chimpanzee chained in the attic is this whole bad. This it's whole family worse. was so plagued with travesty. It was like one of those I things know. that you're, it's a super wealthy old St. Louis family that just everything was awful for all of these people. It's, and they treated, I mean, the way they treated the kids. You're saying obviously. rich white people are. Jeez. This is a can be assholes. This is a controversial take. Uh, <laughs> this sounds like but. almost like you know at Christmas when you have two houses competing for who has the best Christmas lights. I feel like these two mansions were competing with for which could be creepier, and they're like, "Well, yeah. we have a monkey boy." Yeah, it's true. And then my last thing, sorry. Oh no! Is um, as you know, my parents have croaked, and so to speak, I. So they are buried in this historic cemetery in St. Louis, and it's beautiful. Um, it's called Bellefontaine Cemetery. It's in, like, a very unsafe na- like neighborhood. But um, it has all of these, uh, you know, tombstones from wherever, and just walking around it is so fascinating, and you're seeing... And there's a brochure with all these historical people who were buried there. And this isn't paranormal, but it's just interesting. This Demoniel Mansion made me think of it. Yum, yum, yum. Um, <laughs> sorry, that's the last time I'll do it. This it's my wo- fault. I started it. This woman who was like touted the most beautiful woman in the country, or at least in St. Louis. She was in her early 20s and she had the burden of beauty and then having to like live up to that. She started dosing herself with arsenic because it made your skin really pale. And that was the thing back then. And she killed herself by like her system built up so much arsenic. So she had to take more and more arsenic to remain as pale and beautiful as she needed to be to keep the throne of the most beautiful woman. And this is like some grim fairy tale shit. Anyway, she died. She died when she was like 27 and she's buried there. She's like, now I'm a ghost. The most pale I can be. (laughs) (laughs) Most beautiful. But it made me, I I was touring the, I was walking around the cemetery and I was like, that's so fucked up. And then I was like, well, we like do Botox, the shit that like the Kardashians are putting their bodies through to. Oh, yeah. Look the way yeah. they look is so crazy. No, it's a billion billion dollar business focusing on you know people's uh, you know kind of low self image or yeah. or yeah it's it's anyway. a terrible thing. Now when your parents croaked your words not mine, mm-hmm. uh, why <coughs> how did they whose decision was it for them to be in to this? Die? Well, to I think t- it was <laughs> Jesus God's no, Michael t- to be in. This gothic cemetery, how did they, was that a, is there, do you have more family there? Well, no, I don't know, actually. They bought a bunch of plots, so, so bought, like, that's okay. where I'm going to be. Is that really? really? Not to brag. Really? Um, I mean, if I want to, I yeah. guess. I don't know. I love that. We bought a bunch of plots, so we got I, one for you wonder, and your brother. And <laughs> I wonder if you yeah. can sell that real estate back and oh, make yeah, a buck on it. Oh, yeah, you for sure can. But it's very beautiful. It's overlooking this, like, little lake area with ducks and okay it's it's very picturesque and it's a beautiful historic cemetery i don't know why they picked there but i think that they at the time that they died we still were like really connected to st louis of course so it made sense for them to be buried there but now we have literally no connection to st louis so it's a little 
strange that that's where they yeah be. all my family is buried in the same like my mom's side of the family is all in the same cemetery oh that's back cool in kansas city but it i mean we're going there let's go let's go here uh I, i've thought like i don't know if i'd want to be i mean on one hand i'd be like yeah it'd be great to be with every you know my relatives but on the other hand i'm like i don't know if i want to be buried in kansas city i might be like uh I'd like to maybe have a burial at sea out in California or something. Yeah. I don't know. You're more of a forest lawn guy. Yeah. I think I'd, I, I think I'd rather be like scattered somewhere well, like the Redwood Forest. Yeah. They do that thing I mean, now. not cremated, just scattered. Just chop me up and throw my... Well, <laughs> just chop them yeah. up. Those mountain lions will come back yeah. and get you. Yeah. Right. Circle of life. I do think they have those like tree pods yeah. now. There are all these great. cool ways That's to be. That's what I, I was going to say yeah. that. One of those little like fetal tree pods. Then yeah. you worry awesome. about what if my tree's the one that it's like a it's like yeah. a it's like a then year old tree, tree, right? And then they put your uh, the ashes within the soil of the tree, and you mm-hmm. can actually plant the tree. Yes. And so then this tree becomes a living monument of yeah. your uh, of your life. I think that's a great tree idea me. too. You can also be incorporated into coral, mm. like the uh, uh, they make a thing that coral will then grow on. I don't know. They can do so many things with ashes these days. I know. You can get turned into a diamond. That's what I've heard. He and his wife, they plan they're going to get turned into a diamond together. Right. So that. It's pretty cool. At the heart of a star. Yeah. That's interesting. That presumes a a lot of stuff. They have to die around the same time. Well, I mean, I think you would just keep the ashes of the one until the other. And Mm, then the new wife's like, okay. What if the kids like. Can I get in on this diamond? But then the kids are like. They're young. It's a romantic thought. Just let them hang. (laughs) I I will let this go. Life life will beat them down. (laughs) (laughs) We'll settle for cubic zirconia. Fine. But yeah, I think I would like to be. Some place like I like the Redwoods idea where my kids could go right. and think of me and have a nice experience. Yeah, feel you know? your presence as opposed to visiting a plot, perhaps. Yeah. Um, Riley, I would like you to encase my corpse in glass and hang it on the wall of the studio. <laughs> Done. <laughs> That's cool. But you have to promise to haunt it. Well, you know, there's, oh, for sure. There's that thing in science where it's like a lot of people are getting pretty creative with uh, with their remains now. But but uh, you know, maybe what's to say in a hundred years that they wouldn't be able to take some of your bone marrow from your grave and perhaps bring you back to life? You know, and so it kind of eliminates that option uh, when you go talking clone, clone situation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what you know. Uh, as opposed to like going completely cremated where you're just dust, let's say like in 200 years or something, uh, we had the science wherewithal to actually like bring you back or something. I'm only saying this because my wife immediately was I'm like, into it. she yeah, signed us up to her, was like, we're getting cremated. I was like, well, I don't know if that's what I want. She's like, well, I like already signed us Just like say like a femur. Or just have your DNA saved so they could clone you and download what your what if they need some deep you. bone marrow? Let's, you know, what if they need more than just, I don't you know, know that marrow lasts. Yeah. You'd have to freeze it. Well, I mean, yeah, but they'd be able to pull from your... Um, Maybe put you in amber like Jurassic Park yeah, style. Right. Yeah, totally. Case in amber. There's a there's a. I'm place... just saying you're eliminating your options. I know you... it's true. It's true. Cremation. I was worried about that too. If you were like, you know, you grew up pretty religious. Your folks mm-hmm. were religious, right? Correct. Your mom was yeah. Catholic. My yeah, my dad was Catholic. My dad was Catholic too. My mom was Presbyterian. My mom was my Methodist, was and then changed to a Catholic just okay. to you know make it look Spice good on paper. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, I always used to be like, but if you're cremated, then you can't rise from the grave like a zombie on <laughs> That's Judgment Day. That's what I'm talking Day. about. Uh, but I also, uh, there's a place in Kansas City, not Kansas City, in Kansas, out on 70 Freeway, uh, off the 70, called the Garden of Eden, which is this artist created this giant uh, concrete sculpture garden, uh, sort of like a lower rent um, uh, coral castle. And you can go, he buried himself, the wife put him there in glass. You can go see his glass tomb and see the, the waxy corpse of the artist there. It's oh. like a really cool wow, 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 wow. That's see, kind that of a cool fun. way to do it, you know? I saw Chairman Mao in China. He's in a glass Yeah, Lenin's in glass, oh, wow. too, isn't right. he? wild, yeah. So maybe this guy was also a communist. I don't know. What do you guys think ghosts are? Great well, question. Well, question. You know what? Let's ask you first. Let's throw that right back in your face. What do you think ghosts are? Oof. I don't know because I don't know that I I just don't love the idea of a soul or spirit getting stuck and right. like not knowing what's going on. I kind of think that that's the deal. Like, yes, we're all idiots here. And yeah. then you move on to what's next and you like know what the deal is. Right. A soul's purgatory, so to speak. Yeah. So I don't love that. And um, I don't know. I think that I, I think that possibly... Like our limited understanding of space and time mm. is so big that speaking our language, baby. That's like a glitch. Yeah. That actually the soul has moved on, but this is like some weird. Well, you know when thing. you were when you were saying your stories, I mean, I think there's there's power in such emotive pain, like like storing your kid up in an attic or or like a whole family of young people drowning. This is such an emotional psychological trauma mm -hmm. and you know we often say around here that you know psyche is directly related to matter and you know and whatever that means and, and i don't think we have a a good understanding of what time and space is so i think i think some of these pains i mean these i think we have a good understanding can, of what time and space is well i know i'm saying I, beyond well I, I might argue against that you know and okay. but i was but what i was saying is that some of these things i, mean, can, I certainly don't can but. leave an energy <laughs> can leave an energetic resonance you know what i mean yes. um Interesting. and that and that it can stay behind in some whether it's yeah and it, it makes an imprint on 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 this uh on this space kind of time field whatever it is this morphic field that we're that we're all a part of you know i think like a lot of this stuff there's more than one answer so i think you have a couple different classifications and i i think they all tend to get lumped in as ghosts so i think we have i think there are um <laughs> There are your basic run-of-the-mill ghosts that are souls that have not figured out how to move on. Mm. Um, if they are scared of judgment on the other side of the, the tunnel or the tunnel of light, that they're scared because of something they did here or something they didn't do, had left to do, they are sort of, they have not moved on and they've become stuck and don't know. So I think there is that. I the, Maybe some of them don't even know they're dead. Then I think that there are what they call like, um, so those are like resident ghosts. Those are ones that are hanging around in mm -hmm. residency on this plane. Then I think there are ones that are visitors, that they're, they're ones that have moved on mm -hmm. and they come back and pop back in. Relay a message. And or... To relay a message or visit, but they're not stuck here, that they can kind of bounce in and out of the yeah. afterlife and here. Then I think there's a third classification that or where you get your polter well sometimes they say poltergeist or telekinesis but i think there are some maybe like 
malevolent malevolent spirits, spirits or extra dimensional entities that are moving shit around mm-hmm. and then then you can get into like shadow people and weird energy and all that stuff that were never human to begin with mm-hmm. that may interact that some people would call, call like oh, well those are what demons are but maybe they aren't necessarily technically like demons from hell that kind of stuff mm-hmm. they're just from a different uh wavelength from a, a higher or lower dimension and then i think for you have your imprints your energetic energy imprints like you say where sometimes something so traumatic um happens where there's echoes throughout our uh linear time stream mm-hmm. that you it'll ripple you'll suddenly see like a, a woman standing in the room screaming you know who you knew had been murdered there and sometimes that just appears like a like a thumbprint throughout time mm-hmm. and if you're at that moment to catch it you see it and you might go oh my god her ghost appeared right. but that might be just sort of this resonant of really you know sure. that, but i you know, those were great classifications and by the way and then but you know going back to like what we do with our bodies after we die you know, and the reason I was thinking that is because, you know, the Egyptians were fascinated with uh, what happened to us after death. And part of their mummification process, embalming themselves and their organs, were almost as, so to, so to speak, to fool, um, you know, the, the, the underworld so that they could stay around almost ad infinitum, that they wouldn't be, that they wouldn't be <coughs> chucked back into... Uh, to sort of reincarnation or or back into the source of one, right. you know, it, it was almost a way of of maintaining their physical presence, mm-hmm. you know, on Earth, fooling, um, you know, the underworld um, by by having that those so called spirits. Oh, they're still there. Look at them. You know, they haven't moved on. There's their organs. There's their body. You know, so they they felt it was almost sacrilege to do. You know. To for cremation today for them would be just uh, a heresy, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, well, I'm like this. Is my whole thing is what happens to us mm-hmm. after, and what do people think? I mean, I ask perfect strangers this question, um, and I, I know that no one knows is the thing, but well, yet I still want someone to convince me that they know. Yeah. But I've had I've had messages sent to me, um, <clears throat> not via apparition Mm -hmm. but things that feel pretty undeniable to me and you know kind of make me feel like there is something bigger uh or there's something beyond this and i think we're the dum-dums and i also think we like take everything way too seriously and i think this is like a weird just moment for yeah i often think about it as like that the, the the that our lives, our existence, and the reality that we live in here on Earth within this universal struck time space structure, it is almost like a very con- and I think maybe you've touched upon this and totally married a little bit maybe, um, but it is almost like a complex, um, not not. Um, not uh what's the word not it's it's not it's not an experiment necessarily but it is it is almost like when you play a video game where and we and we're getting there close we've talked about like virtual reality you know where the guy the game player is controlling it 
you know, but there, you know, when you play a video game, you can lose yourself in that game. You're in a an avatar's um, experience. Yeah, and I think that maybe what we are is our bodies, our avatars for this reality, for souls that come from a higher dimension, consciousness that comes from a higher dimension, yeah. and that when we are born, we are born into these flesh, you know, uh, flesh this, houses. Yeah, meat flesh suits, suit, uh-huh. meat suits. <laughs> And we are diving down into the third dimension, and with that comes all the rules of experiencing the third dimension, which is pain, suffering, pleasure, ecstasy, creation, destruction, all of it. Mm-hmm. And sort of that the, the choice that we make, um, if there's a choice, and I, I tend to think that our consciousness maybe d- does precede and uh, uh, precede our existence here on Earth— that we go, I'm going in, and part of what happens when you drop down into the third dimension in your meat suit and you're shot out of your mother's womb, um, you forget because of the fact that we're dropping into a lower dimension from a higher dimension, you forget where you come from. <coughs> and that's part of the experience. And it's almost, it's no different to me than when you've, lo- it's, a, it's a richer, far more complex, far more... Um, mysterious version of like losing yourself in a book, mm-hmm. um, losing yourself in a film or a video game. And I think that what happens is whenever this ends, we are shot back up to, we wake back up in that higher dimension that we came from. Wouldn't that and be nice? we're like, Oh <clears throat> fuck. Right. Oh, Hey, Li- yeah, Elizabeth, I do there think you that. Are. I think and I then, like that, Michael, you know what I mean? And then, and then you can go, and because time and space is different, and when we talk about eternity, when they say that the eternal life, well, that exists outside of space-time. So it, it's like a thing where when you, quote-unquote, when you die and you go to the afterlife, everyone, you know, they say everyone you ever know or loved is there. They're all in that realm, like whether they're alive or dead yet here on earth, like, mm-hmm. oh, there's my daughter, there's my son, and they're here too. They've always been here. Oh, We've I always been here. That's kind of what the ending of Lost was really about. And then you can go, oh, you can go, you can go, you can go. <laughs> sorry. You no, lost her. Now I lost people. But, but, um, so to speak. But, but you could go, you could go, you could turn to your, you could turn to Andy and go, hey, do you want to jump back down in there? This time, how about you be grandma and I'll be grandpa? Or, you know what I mean? Right. And 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 you can go. Hey, you know what? Let's go experience what it's like to be a settler on the Oregon Trail. That's gonna suck. Yeah, but fuck it. We've got all of eternity. Let's do this. How else are we going to experience what this this is? That's given our soul a lot of rope to work with. I gotta. Yeah, tell you. and I think that there's something that comes from it. I think it feeds our consciousness. It feeds our soul. It feeds our empathy. Um, but I think that the risk you take when you do this is you can lose yourself in it. And I think that. We need to constantly remind ourselves, guys, this, like you said, this isn't it. This mm-hmm. isn't all of it. And it's tough. And I think that when we go, you know, then you get into some really comp. However, this model, you get into some really complex moral quandaries, which I think we don't understand necessarily. Because if if this model is true then does that mean that it's okay to be a serial killer, for example, where you're just running through the the simulation, killing people and causing harm and destruction? I don't think so. I think that that's 
I always loved. Uh, I always because I think this is. I think wherever we come from is real, but this is also real. And I think the lesson mm-hmm. here is to learn love, kindness, empathy. You know, Joseph Campbell asked that same question to uh to this guru in India, and he brought up that same point. He said, "Listen, if this is all just for us here as experiential, why can't I just do whatever I want?" And and the guru said to him, "For you and I, we choose different." Yeah, you know, and I think that's what it is. It's like you well, know, then that gets all you back and in. I and uh, Elizabeth. We choose not to be serial well, and Riley. But we're it, it brings, not sure. Well, yeah. Riley is a question mark, but, honestly. But, but but that's a good point, and that actually doesn't. If you're a religious person uh, from a you know a Christian upbringing, at least, and I'm sure this is similar in other uh, religions. I've grew up, like we said, Presbyterian. But that's you hear about God's will, like God, God, or God gives granted us free will mm-hmm. to make these choices, right? So it kind of feeds back into that that it it doesn't it doesn't contradict that this is a simulation that we are given room to uh, to do whatever we want, and you're right, we choose not to do that because it is harmful and it's destructive, and it does cause pain. Now, what the punishment is for that? Afterwards, I don't know. Does it diminish the consciousness? Is it possible that if you come down here in this reality and you choose to be a fucking monster, well, it's possible that it could eradicate your soul and consciousness, and that you may not be able to return back to where we came from? Yeah. So, some, some would argue. Some would argue that we. Need, I don't know. These are bi- these are the big questions. Some so would argue is, that we right? need we need the dark to experience the light. You know, so many people. Would, well, what about Hitler? Would he would he go to heaven or would he get to experience that? And, you know, and some would say, that, like, hey, if we don't acknowledge and recognize, you know, the dark that's in this world, we can never experience the opposite of that, you know? Well, yeah. That's... And so how can you know what's good if you've never if experienced or had the the recognition of what is evil? You know, we need both. There's a balance. There's and yin and Hitler, yang here. Was Hitler a real person or was he, if the, in this scenario, or was he like a computer program it was he a cpu was he part of the program that was challenging us you're really he going into the simulation well, you know what i mean here. i mean maybe maybe when some people go there was no soul he was soulless maybe there are humans that we encounter in this simulation that are computer pro they're part of the program and aren't like us i think that that could be and you know i think something horrible happened to him yeah, you at, don't want to take like away at from... some point in time when he was young, probably, and that whatever damage was done, maybe like maybe his soul moved on or whatever. I was sitting next to this old guy on an airplane. Yeah, because you don't want to take away the response, the accountability for what he did as a human being. No, either. no. So I, I know this is, this is all difficult stuff. Yeah. Um, I was sitting on a plane next to this older guy who happens to be an actor. We were talking, and he had. I don't know, all these wild stories and all this great wisdom. And he um, was very Christian. And I I just found that interesting because he's been in Hollywood for a long time and you don't encounter that many like true blue Christian dudes. Um, And he, and I was like, you know, when I just think about all of this horrible stuff in the world and so much of it is actually created by religion and like, how do you justify that there is this God who is, like all powerful and then allows that. And he was like, well, now these, this was like his, I don't know what I think about this, but it's interesting to me. He said, you know, the, it's said in my mind, the angels, not that they have jealousy or envy, but 
they look upon a human's experience with kind of a um, nostalgia because humans have the power and freedom of choice. Where angels are, there's no choice. Everything just is. And where humans are, there's choice. And there is only choice because there is evil. Like what you're saying, the light and the dark can't, like the light can't exist without the dark and choice doesn't exist. And I think that there is, of course, in the Christian mindset, it's like you're trying to achieve something in order to be with lean, God. Lean to the light. Yeah. yeah. But I thought that was interesting. Like and light to meet it. <laughs> yeah. So you're God. No, yeah. I'm Supreme Leader Snoke. Wait, I got a I got a I got a brain teaser on this that's, on this topic. That is yeah. fascinating though. And the that then that's real quick. That's yeah. why supposedly Lucifer rebelled the Lightbringer because he was like, Why well, want choice? I want that free will that I think I'm paraphrasing. He was, God's, humans favorite he was God's favorite angel. And he yeah. was like and Lucifer and Satan are not necessarily the same entity. That's that well, was sort of they were compressed I think over time. I think you've got it wrong. What happened was is probably uh, God, Lucifer was most, watching. No, God created man, and God said, "This is my most magnificent creation. I want all the angels to worship man." And Lucifer said, "I can't do it." Um, oh, I worship you, yeah. I worship you. You're the most amazing creation there is. You're God. How could you have me worship man? I won't do it. And mm. so he was cast out of heaven and he took, you know, I think that's more. A, he took a left hand turn on the He took a left hand turn. He said, Yeah, no. And he said, You know, well, I, I, I won't do it. I won't worship man over God, over you, my creator. I can't that's do right. it. That's right. And so he that's was right. banished, you know, along with his, uh, and he took a squad with him and his, uh, you know, and, and away they went, you know. Um, what were you going to say, Riley? Well, so building and now on this we whole... have pornography. <laughs> Thanks, Lucifer. <laughs> so, okay, on this whole idea, assuming that we eventually work out the way to digitally preserve consciousness. So, in that case, that's a big on, assumption, on, but <laughs> I, I think it, I think that we will. Do yeah, that I'm with you. But assuming we do down the line, if you then choose to do that and not die, are you trapping yourself in this Possibly. realm? Yeah, or are you transcending? Death? Well, that What's it, the, well, mm. this this goes into the law of like battling nature and the law of nature. Uh, or let's say this: What if this reality is started? What if this is a byproduct of? a species or uh, of people or humanoids or whatever that learned how to do that eons ago and were a simulation within a simulation within a simulation within a simulation within a simulation you know what i mean and then and maybe we're just perpetuating it going in infinity yeah that's no good because 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 we could have look at these different riley's like yes i know all right well we should take a quick break and when we come back i think it's time for high strange yeah that was some deep shit that was fun though high strange is up next Hey everyone, this is Riley. I wanted to let you know we've launched our Patreon page. It's a place where listeners can help support the show and gain access to exclusive bonus content. For $5 a month, our Patreon members get special episodes like our Campfire Stories, Movie Club, and Out There episodes, where we explore our own little place in the cosmos. We also post behind-the-scenes conversations that happen during the breaks and all sorts of other bonuses. We put a lot of love into these episodes, and we make a lot of them. They're a deeper level of the show where we expand on ideas and concepts from our main feed. Our weekly show will, of course, always remain free, 
but for $5 a month, our Patreon members will gain full access to the inner sanctum of the BCC. We hope you'll join us there. That's patreon.com backslash Bigfoot Collectors Club. And thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, and we're back with uh, with my episode of High Strangeness this week. Um, pretty excited. Going to shift the, the the gear topics here a little bit and head back the to gear topics. Yeah, that's you a... shift the gear on the topics. Or just yeah, the gear topics? no, no gear topics. Dude, my gear topics. I'm shifting my gear Physical topics. Hey Brad. guys, make sure you tune in to over the Patreon page for uh, Bryce's motorcycle show. Gear topics. Gear topics. <laughs> uh, I host it with Matt LeBlanc. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> All right, so this is uh, this is the what's called the Falcon Lake incident. Um, Lots of lake incidents yeah. today. Yeah, yeah. now this is this is Canada's most evidential case. So they, you uh, know, I, I wanted to lakes. <laughs> no of a, of a of a UFO landing. I wanted to bring in Ooh. something. Um, now, Liz. Yeah, may I call you Liz? Sure, Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> that was a no. <laughs> You can call me whatever you want, Michael. <laughs> Ms. Lame. Uh, uh, you are into UFOs. You're interested in, in UFOs. I am. Okay, oh, good. good. Yeah. I think then you'll like this one. So I wanted to bring in something with a lot of physical and trace evidence. And, uh, and that's why I brought in this one. So by far the most evidential case to ever been reported in Canada is that of Stephen Michalak in what is simply known as the Falcon Lake Incident. Now, Stephen was an industrial mechanic by trade and an amateur geologist who liked to venture out into the wilderness around Falcon Lake, which is just east of Winnipeg, um, to do some prospecting for quartz and, and, and things like that. On May 20th... Like Albert Ostman. Yes, exactly. On May 20th, 1967... He was kidding. He was kidding. <laughs> in case you didn't know. Uh, so on May 20th, 1967, Stephen was near a vein of quartz when the 51-year-old was startled by a gaggle of nearby geese that erupted into a clattering of honks. So Stephen looks up, and what he saw was two cigar-shaped objects with an intense reddish glow hovering about 45 meters away. I'm using meters out of respect to Canada. That's spelled R-E. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the craft began... <laughs> we had to redo that joke, but it was much better the second time. One of the craft began descending, and it landed on a flat section of rock, and it subsequently took on more of a disc shape. Now, the other remained in the air for a few minutes before brilliantly changing colors and silently flying off. 
Believing it to be a secret U.S. military experimental craft, Stephen grabbed his notepad and sketched as many details as possible over the next half hour. Then he decided to approach, recalling a smell of sulfur as he got closer, as well as a whirring sound of motors and a hissing of warm air. A door suddenly opened on the side of the craft where he could see lights coming from the inside. As he approached, he heard two human-like voices coming from the inside, one higher pitched than the other. He called out, and I know, and I was going to do the door switch too. Shh. Um, you guys, I add that in later. Oh, right. Sorry, Riley. That's your job. I don't want to step on your toes here. Uh, so he calls out to the uh, to these to this spacecraft, offering mechanical assistance to the Yankee pilots to see if they needed hey there. help. Hey. Now, I was wait, How long are we going to get through the story before someone does a bad Canadian accent? Right. Hey, hey, hey there, you need help, eh? Uh, sorry. So the voices then went quiet. He asked again in Russian, do you speak Russian? Still no response. This guy's been hiding his Russian? Yeah, and he speaks German, Italian, and like, French. Yeah, and so finally, Ukrainian. So he asked in all these different voices. Uh, a protocol droid? This Dude. amateur geologist <laughs> in the middle of buttfuck Canada yeah. speaks 17 the, languages? Yeah, these aliens, <laughs> I mean, these Canadians know their Marry shit. Me. <laughs> now, Mitch, like being the brave man that he was, he approached even closer, so close that the light became unbearable. So he pushed down the tinted green lenses on his goggles and peered in inside when he saw a maze of light beams and panels of various colored lights flashing in sequence, but did not see anyone or any living thing. Stepping back, three panels slid across the door opening and sealed it close. Oh, this is where I have make sound effects. Um, there you go. The door closes. Gotcha. So, Michalak begins to examine the side of the craft with his gloved hand. Did your notes say, yeah, it make says, sound effects? Right there, make sound effects. <laughs> He could see no indication of welding or joints, and the surface was highly polished, appearing like colored glass reflecting light. When he pulled his hand back, he found that his glove had burned and melted as had his hat. Oh, hey. Yeah. Oh, it's hot. Ha. <laughs> now, the craft, or at least the rim, then seemed to change position for he found himself facing a grid-type exhaust vent, which he had noticed earlier to the left of the opening. Oh, would you look at that? A blast of hot <laughs> air. That's leprechaun That's here, a, really. He's not a leprechaun, <laughs> brah. Uh, a blast of hot air or gas then struck his chest, setting his shirt and vest on fire and causing severe pain. Oh, yeah, that smarts. He ripped away the burning garments and looked up to see the craft taking off just like the first object as he felt a rush of hot, hot air. Uh, and I got a so picture. Still I got on a, the outside of the craft. Yeah, at I this got a point? picture here for you. I want to share. This is his sketch drawing, and um, there he is, disoriented and nauseous. Stephen stumbled through the forest and vomited, but not before putting out the small fire his burning clothes had left behind. Jeez. Hiking back to where he had originally entered the woods, a passing uh, R RCMP officer, which is Royal Canadian Mounted Police, stopped in his car, and I love this, listened to his story, and then left, explaining that he had other duties to perform. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Right? Oh, my God. Yeah, that sounds great, but listen, there's uh, I got to check on these. There's a moose on the loose. <laughs> I got to go shoot now, it. Stephen eventually made his way back to his motel room in Falcon Lake and then caught a bus back to Winnipeg. He was treated at a hospital for burns to his chest, which you can see on that picture, and stomach that later turned into raised sores on a grid-like pattern. And for weeks afterward, he suffered from diarrhea, headaches, blackouts, and weight loss. Now, um, so this is physical is evidence left on his body. I'll show you that, Riley. And there's his oh, yeah. sketch of the, uh, of the craft that he apparently approached. Now, 
according to Mitchlack, it you know, he says this whole thing really just flipped our lives over. Once the story was out, the RCMP, the Air Force, the media, various government agencies, and hordes of gawking members of the public descended on the Mitchellack Small River Heights bungalow in Winnipeg. It just flipped our lives over, he said. It took several years before it finally died down. And after that, until the day he died in 1999 at the age of 83, Stephen believed he never should have said a thing. Wow. You know, I wanted to bring this up to just to, you know, going back to your story about like, well, Mike, you know, you wanted to see this thing. You know, you wanted this. You wanted to experience this in your life. And here's a case where I say, no, that's absolutely wrong. These people who experience this, uh, these traumatic events in their life, they really, in more or less words, they they really don't want any part of it. I mean, it, it mm -hmm. really just upturns their whole life. Well, and it's just fascinating, like he says, we should never should have said anything. It makes me think about all the tales like this yeah, of people who, again, don't say anything because they don't want the attention. They don't want the stigma that comes along with it that this person is looking for money or fame or well, yeah. are crazy. And we've done the numbers before. I mean, all the UFO. I and, have and the calculator in my pocket. Of all the cases that we get to review, th those are usually one in five. I mean, the one in five go reported. So that's, you know, you're leaving out about, you know, 90% of these cases go unreported. Um, anyway, I don't think that math's right. Uh, <laughs> one in uh, five, anyway. 90%. I would love someone to make... The, the the science book based on this podcast, and it's just garbage. But, you know, going, hey, this is the Bigfoot Collectors Club. We're just a couple armchair cryptos uh, enthusiasts here, so we're just shooting from the hip most of the time. But, you know, the reason why he did come forward is because he felt it, it was his duty. Um, he wanted others, if they were to see the same thing, to avoid it and not get hurt, Michalak said. Mm. In Poland, before Stephen moved his family to Canada, he was a military policeman with a set of moral guidelines that he lived by. That is, if something happened, it should be reported, Michalak said. Now, in addition to constant probing from authorities, the family endured condemnation and criticism in the public. Stephen's sanity was questioned, and though he wished he hadn't said anything, Stephen never backed away from the story either. He also never claimed to have seen aliens and still considered it a secret military craft. Mm -hmm. If you asked him what it was he saw, he could, he could describe it in intimate detail, but he would never say, oh, it was definitely extraterrestrial. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I make this point all the time. Because there was no evidence to prove that. Yeah. Now he might ask. You can point to and be like, "It was a. It looked like what we call a UFO or flying saucer. Doesn't mean it was from another planet. Yeah, but it's still fucking crazy. Yeah, right up until he died, his story never changed one iota. Nothing about it or how he told it. Now, in all those years since, and with some three hundred page of documentation on the counter, there's nothing so far that has flawed his story. Um, so when asked what he thought. Uh, you know, he said, I'm not so close-minded that I can't entertain the possibility that it's otherworldly. I can't discount that. But without specific evidence to show me that it is, I don't know, Michalak said. What I can tell you is that I'm an aviation fanatic, a huge aviation buff, and I'm very familiar with how aviation technology has advanced in the past 50 years. And there was nothing even close to that in the works any time um, Round. So that's the case of the Falcon Lake incident. Cool. And as you can see, I mean, it, his medical conditions, I, I didn't go all into it, but uh, it, he lost 22 pounds. Um, and they, they sent tests to radiologists all across Canada and America. And they found it similar 
um, some of those findings of what it would be like it being exposed to extreme gamma radiation. Mm. So this isn't just, I mean, this isn't just like him, like, you know, marking up his body. He was blasted with um, this hot, you know, air, whatever it was, sulfuric air. And as you could see on his sketch, if you're listening, you know, just Google Falcon Lake. Incident, It'll be on look our up, Instagram. And we'll put them up on our social media page. But in his drawing right there, you can see the vents. Um, but it's a fascinating case. And it's, mm -hmm. and it's uh, oh, not only that, the case was uh, intensely investigated by a number of levels of government. And the official, official conclusion, even from the United States Air Force, was that the case was unexplained. Um, now, here's another. That, uh, was that through the Freedom of Information Act? Where was that? Uh, I'm not sure. This is from a, a, a book on a guy, a guy named Rutowski and that his son uh, compiled okay. together. Um, now, here's what's really interesting. Items were later retrieved from the encounter site. They went back about a year later, including, uh, well, this was before Stefan's glove and shirt. And, and they found tools. a cute little alien with a speaking say. Right. No. Um, in a pot, in a sunflower in a Mike, pot. I love Michael always yeah, throws me bad. off my story. I was, no, 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 no. It it's wasn't fun. that. Uh, so at the at the they went back to the landing site and there I was like a circle. Grandpa Bryce confused. Now, 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 stop! I'm trying to tell this story are you now. Kids? Uh, you darn kids are always getting me all confused. Where's your cane? <laughs> so they go back and they find a 15 feet uh, burn mark in diameter, devoid of the moss and vegetation growing, mm -hmm. um, which is very common in a lot of like UFO landing cases. Soil samples were taken along with samples of his clothing were tested and deemed to be highly radioactive. Now, here's where it gets interesting. About a year later, investigators went back. Finally. And they found, <laughs> they found pieces of metal that were chipped out of cracks into the rock about a year after the incident. Now, the metal had somehow been melted into the cracks of the rock. Oh. It was in the shape of a W. Um, many huh. of the items have long since been lost as they were transferred through various authorities and agencies. However, Rutowski and Michalak's son still have one of the pieces of metal, which remains radioactive. Wow. And, and that's the story. So there's lots of... Uh, um, I hadn't heard this one. That's yeah. cool. So or if I had, one. I have forgotten it. Yeah. A mountain of evidence. Wow. Mountain of evidence. Very credible <laughs> witness. Sure. Okay. Well, <laughs> when we come back, you know what time it is. It's time for Elizabeth to explain what the hell was that. <laughs> And we're back. Uh, so it's time for Yo. what the hell was that? Yeah, Liz, Liz. What, what what do you make of all this? Uh, this Stephen Michalak, ex-military policeman who experienced a, experienced a landed UFO and went up to go check it out. Well, first of all, I my first instinct is that you know I wish there had been someone else there mm -hmm. because I think a lot can happen to your brain. Given like he's near a quarry, we don't know what's there we don't some, know like, what is going on with the earth. Are, yes. Yeah. Like I, I think that it is very possible and he has this military training that like maybe he was flashing back to something. I don't mm -hmm. know. I then you get into the radiation stuff at the end and I'm like, huh, that you know, I don't not believe that his experience is real, but I also because it was just him, I'm also like it is also possible that this was something that happened to his brain, you know, that well, he, he blacked is, out. You or make he, a valid point. I mean, yeah. if he'd been <clears throat> blasted with something that made him that ill, then it could have also affected his memory of the event. Right. So those are the options to me. And I also wanted to say, um, 
given the like radiation and stuff, I don't think this is the case, but when, you know, a however long ago it was, I was driving home, my daughter Teddy's in the car, she's facing backwards. It was in December. Um, and all the Christmas lights were up and she was like, mommy, I see, uh, uh, um, rocket ship that's going to space. Mm. And I was like, Oh, ha 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 or whatever. That's cool. And we kept going. She kept talking about it. Didn't stop. We're driving for blocks. And I finally get out and I get out of the car and I look up and it's the Falcon X (laughs) that I was like, and all of our neighbors are outside looking up. I have like it. I literally was like, here it is. That's a great case study. Yeah. Here it is. This is happening. And of course, I was like, honey, you weren't wrong. Like, right. There's, yeah. And I screamed for Andy to come out. Everyone's filming it. Riley called me immediately. Yeah. It was, I was really like. I was in and Hollywood. I, the whole city stopped. Everyone was just. It wasn't even, you know, it's not like what's this weird shaped thing. The way it was glowing was otherworldly. It yeah. looked almost uh, like a biological entity in it the was sky. Crazy. Yes, it looked like a, a huge sea. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and totally the glowing the it thing. did. I, I mean, my mind was blown. And of course, within five minutes online, it's like everyone's throwing out around Falcon X like we knew yeah. what the fuck this was. But it, I feel like 50 years ago, had this happened, all of these people who saw this, who couldn't figure out what it was or whatever, would have just been like, I saw a UFO. Right. And there's no, like, I but, would have been like, I saw a UFO. But there's a difference yeah. between what you described. Yes. Even without Twitter. Yeah. And somebody saying that they approached a physical craft that landed that they witnessed for a half hour before he approached. Yes, for sure. Now, we're taking his word for it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But at which point, at what point, do we just say, well, we're going to ignore this because of what you're saying it is. We're going to ignore. I mean, at some point we have to go. Like okay, that RCMP you, you, officer who was like, that eh, sounds great, buddy. But listen. Yeah. yeah I mean, at some <laughs> point, that's another so, thing. So, so, yeah. Why the officer would leave someone who had just had his clothes on fire. Yeah, that was weird. And had this. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I don't doubt that he experienced this maybe he would have thought you know he could like people just some person coming out of the woods disoriented and like oh this you know happens a lot these people that are i mean i don't know and did did that man i mean did they ever track down that officer i don't know i just thought that was an interesting no part i know of the story. I, 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 it's I super interesting but it almost makes me feel like it's it's a little easier to discount like the way mm. i'm hearing the story and again i think that he thinks it's very true to him and i think it probably felt very real i don't know if i believe anymore that it was this ship that came and the Mm. experience happened in real time and space versus like something that happened to him in his head it's just funny that we hear stories like this and because they are so unbelievable yeah we will just discount well we it's it's very easy to discount i mean if this guy were to be like I saw something, you know, like I saw, I don't know, a bear or something. We're like, of course you did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he could just be as easily lying about seeing a bear or hunting a bear. I mean, we, you know, I don't know. I mean, people can lie about anything. It's just funny that we tend to, and I'm I'm trying to grasp to put this thought together. It's, it's just funny that we'll just, and I'm not putting this on you, Elizabeth. I mean, this is true with each one of these cases in terms of just being a skeptic. Because it's so outlandish, we just go, no. 
But when do when at what point can we go? Well, we should take this guy's word for it and what he well, and saw. that's and that's why I wanted to bring and this his one ability in. to explain what he saw. I think when there's two people. Yeah, I mean, to me, that's, and we've had those you cases. Need a, you, 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 we've had those yeah. cases too, and those cases are just crazy. And that's a, I mean, that's a good point. It brings back to what crazy and lore saying. as well. And you know, but that's why I wanted to bring this one in is because, I mean, looking at those grid marks left on his body, the investigators going back and finding a 15 foot circle of diameter of burn debris from like what you would describe a UFO taking off and leaving uh, the vegetation burned below. That's not something... Scorch marks. Uh, scorch marks. You know, that's something very common with a, within a lot of UFO landings. And... Um, yeah, towards at, the end, I'm like, okay. Like, you know, yeah. You know. These things are tough because, it, look, there's arguable physical evidence, period. That's what's going to keep the story credible. Mm-hmm. But it's also tough when we're sitting here and we're looking at black and white photographs and so much time has passed. It's very easy to write to write it off or it's very easy to go, well, it must have happened because it's in a book. Yeah. You know, the thing that sucks about a lot of these incidents is they're so far away from us in time now. A lot of these that we can't it's it's difficult to go. No, you know what I mean? You know, what's first caught me reading and researching this story. And it's it, it happens for every, everybody kind of seems to latch onto something that seems a little weird what for me was like sketching it for a half hour the first thing he did i was like that's yeah. strange you mm-hmm. know like a ufo lands and you take out your pen and notepad i guess it was, he was an aviation buff but to sketch it just a, a landing craft for a half an hour and you know he says that it changed shape it went from a cigar to more of the disc shape that he sees in the sketching mm-hmm. and uh, i thought that was strange to, like spend that much time but maybe that was really smart as an eyewitness to like take the time to sketch that and then but i felt that strange too that's it's, yeah. it's weird and i the think fact that he... clearly he had a methodical brain i mean he knew all these languages i mean uh, mm-hmm. you know i don't know there's something about the way this guy the fact that he is an aviation expert also and that he does speak all of these languages unless whatever it was targeted him for Mm. some reason because of this yeah like all of it it's it is kind of like but i mean if there's physical evidence there i don't not believe it that thought through you're saying that maybe this is him making it up and sort of being like designing his own ufo i don't think he's making it up i'm wondering if this was like some sort of psychotic break some sort of something happened in the earth matter yeah i mean whatever that scorch thing was maybe there was some sort of like weird chemical reaction with well, something right there. Well, we often talk on the show that we feel like sometimes these incidents require <clears throat> a witness. It's almost like whatever this energy is that is the UFO. Let's say it's not literally a spaceship. Let's just say it's a conscious uh, projection, some, a, a higher consciousness trying to connect with this guy mm-hmm. who's out in the woods, right? And perhaps there's something that this amorphous consciousness that's coming through from a different dimension right. is able to tap into something about this guy's imagination that mm-hmm. goes, oh, will appear as a ship because he has right. this stuff. And then it begins, it requires the user, in other words, mm-hmm. to physically manifest itself yeah. mm-hmm. and then be able to engage with right. the guy. With let's say if a hun- let's say a thousand years ago. And it were a knight on his horse, maybe the entity would manifest itself as a dragon instead of a UFO right. in order to yeah. engage with it, right? 
So there's that as well. Maybe I mean maybe maybe it's both. Maybe it is a type of psychotic break, which also happens to be a form of communication with a higher yeah. intelligence. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're not far like off. You're not far off theoretically. Uh, you know, coming up with something for this because what's so interesting about a lot of these cases is is no one seems to know. I mean, a lot of people like to latch on to, you know, the extraterrestrial hypothesis, which are these are actual living beings from a different star system that have come down to visit and and land their UFO right next to and Stephen Mitchellack. We should count that out we, as a possibility, right? But I don't think that's the case even here. If, even if this is the even if the case was this isn't. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. And listen. You know, uh, Carl Jung in the late... But you don't think this was a UFO from outer space? Oh, I definitely think it was a UFO. Do you think it came from another planet? I don't think it was extraterrestrial, no. I think it... Do you think it's military? No, absolutely not. I I don't know what it is, Michael. You think it's closer to what we were just Because, listen, it said he looked in the craft, right? And he heard heard voices. He heard human-like voices. So, obviously, something's, like you said, playing with his... Either it's like a psychic psycho breakdown or something... He looks inside the craft. He gets a good look in the craft with his goggles. So he's able to peer inside the entire craft into what only he sees is zigzag light beams and sequencing light flashes. Nothing living. Right. So then all, automatically, whatever speaking is gone. And, you know, I was... I, I don't know. You know, Carl Jung, and later in his life, he was fascinated with uh, with a lot of his case studies in flying saucers, and he believed that um, people's psyche were directly related to matter, and that it can confluence. And so, so maybe maybe you're right. Maybe there's this exp- like, and I like to add on to your theory too. Maybe there's this higher conscientious thing, being intelligence that wants to get this like. You know, story well, out there. I thought, I thought maybe that because uh, we just come off the heels of the simul- simulation thing, simulation that maybe uh, you know, like when you're playing a video game and they have to come in and they have to patch the program and write new code to fix a glitch. Right. Maybe uh, some of these UFOs are sort of like the game makers or the programmers dropping into Let's the program. Let's test out the software. And they're yeah. like fixing right. some shit, and when and 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 the manifestation of that action. Uh, looks like something like a flying saucer, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But we can't understand what it's doing. Well, like and a, a, another weird point, too, is I think those marks returned every year on the year. So it wasn't like they just went away. They would actually, like, come back. Ugh. Um I don't like that at all. Yeah, Ew. so it was very strange. Wow. But, uh, the Falcon Lake incident. The Falcon That's Lake great. incident, yeah. Well, uh, this is awesome. Thank you, Bryce. Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, that brings us to uh, uh, the close of another clubhouse. uh, (laughs) And I've noticed we never really get down to what the hell was that. No, I mean, we don't. That's sort of the point. That's sort of the point. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what we love. Uh, Yeah. I mean, well, this this is why these stories capture our imagination. It's true. Uh, If we answer the question, we have to end the podcast. So we'll just keep it going. We at least have to end this one, uh, which is sad. But uh, next week, we will have uh, Elizabeth's husband and uh, co-host, Andy Rosin. Love this. Uh, oh, nice. And uh, so stay tuned for part two of that. But in the meantime, Elizabeth, where can people find your work? Um, you guys can find me at uh, Elizabeth Lame on Instagram. Totally Lame on Twitter. And it's L-A-I-M-E. And um, find our podcast, Totally Lame which Michael will come back on I'd soon. I'd love to. Um, on iTunes or wherever people podcast. Right. And uh, please, it's one of my favorite long, ongoing, long-going podcasts. 
Thanks, so much man. Fun. I know. You've this like... was so much fun. Oh, good. Oh, good. We're glad You're you such enjoyed a lovely it. guest. Yes. Um, great. Awesome. Uh, Mr. Uh, Riley Bray of the Beast of Bray Road, what do you got? I just, uh, I'd like to apologize to our Canadian listeners. We uh, know you're not all <laughs> cartoon people, but it's a really fun voice. My wife's Canadian, so. And uh, thanks for Neil Young. Yeah, I uh, thanks can for do Neil it. Young. Yeah, Bryce's wife's Canadian, so I can make fun of Canadians. So you're all good here. Okay, you good. all have passes. Uh, Bryce? <laughs> Uh, check us out on our social media accounts. We work really hard to uh, to integrate them with the show, with pictures and cool things like that. So we're on Instagram at Bigfoot Collectors Club, and we're on Twitter at uh, Bigfoot underscore C Club, and we're also on Facebook. And a big shout out if you want to check out more special episodes and content that we do, please check out our Patreons uh, page, which you can find on Patreon.com forward slash Bigfoot Collectors Club. We also have been working to collate cool episodes on there. So if you like what we do for the price of a cup of coffee. Um, you know, subscribe to our Patreon page. That's great. Uh, actually, that's a good plug. We'll announce we have our uh, maze uh, we're, uh, episode on the Patreon. We're doing another Bigfoot Movie Club episode. This month's movie is going to be, I believe, the 1972 classic. Classic. The Beast of Boggy Creek. The Legend of Boggy Creek. Oh, yeah, Boggy I was seeing Beast of Boggy Creek. The Legend of Boggy Creek. Yes. So um, there's a book called The Beast of Boggy Creek. That's what. So The Legend of Boggy Creek. Um, I found it on Amazon and DVD for like six bucks. If you want to order it, that's cool. I'm sure it's streaming. I'll post more information about that. But that episode should be dropping uh, fairly soon, if not around the time of this episode. Yeah. Um, and we've got a lot more. We'll have bonus. We have bonus conversations with certain guests. Sometimes we do uh, other bonus episodes. So we got a lot more content over there on the Patreon page. And while you're there, swing by Totally Lame and check out their Patreon campaign as well. That's if so you're nice. yeah, hell yeah, thanks. I'm a patron. I'm a patron. I'm gonna be today. Um, so awesome. Thank you so much. As always, thanks to Riley Bray for his Woo! engineering and producing skills. We thank uh, Sun Eaters for our song Come Alone, courtesy of Lotus Pool Records. And again, huge thanks to our guest, Elizabeth Lame. We love you. It's Aww. been a pleasure. We'll definitely have you back on the show in the future. Uh, so get some paranormal. Uh, uh, go, some go, paranormal find some go find some ghosts. Go find some ghosts. Don't worry. <laughs> thanks, everybody. Bye. Yeah, Bye. See you next time. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. 
Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their cases had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.